November 2014. Tracy called them Tamily Tales. They came almost every week to my inbox starting in October and were story-type interview testimonials from women who had been doing her method for many years and were making a switch over to her new platform and streaming service. I had been introduced to the Tracy Anderson method in my mid-20s, like most others were, by Gwyneth Paltrow on Oprah. I bought her matte DVD and connected with her method, but like all DVDs, it got boring after a while. Tracy continued to innovate her content to remedy the stagnancy of DVDs, but I had babies, and my mom died, and my life fell apart, and I lost touch with her offerings. But at some point in that original go, I signed up for her newsletter, and in bed, unsure how I'd ever recover, I started reading her Tamily tales. Honestly, at first, they triggered me, as all things do when we want them but don't think we can have them. It would take two months and nine more of the stories for me to get the courage to sign up because it was more than the fact that I was sick and out of shape and streaming wasn't something I understood. It was that fear of commitment, the story I believed about myself since childhood, that I'd pay for an expensive subscription and then decide it was too hard or not what I thought I wanted, and I'd quit. January 2016. Having been an earnest, eager student of the method for the past year, I raised my hand. But like, how do you find purpose? It was day two of the Vitality Week before class started. Tracy had just finished her lecture and she asked if we had any questions. Ever since high school, my peers started declaring what they were going to be. Their projected profession and identity lumped as one thing. Purpose became a boulder in my path, a looming presence that asked me to claim it. But nothing worked, not trying to lift it or tap it or move around it. I couldn't name what I couldn't touch, and so I asked the question over and over, convinced someone else could tell me how to find the external thing that would allow me to conquer my internal block. But Tracy's look, it was the same one my mother had given me countless times. Tracy had seemingly spent almost her whole life on a focused path, pouring innovation and vision into her bottomless passion. My mother, on the other hand, was always working toward another degree, who had traveled the world and lived multiple lives, and still found marvel in the mundane. Both were women of immense purpose and drive. But Tracy had solid answers for so much of life. The mind-body-emotional integration in the method was one of the things I'd connected to the most, and surely she could respond to this. She'd answer my question, and in turn, she'd be explaining why I was the lightest I'd ever been, even smaller than at 18 and more strong and fit, but it was never enough. Why I worked out an hour and a half each day but couldn't eat an occasional slice of pizza without accompanying self-loathing, shame. Why I was already grasping at the body I'd worked so hard for, knowing the pace I'd set was impossible to continue but unable to trust myself to do less and move into maintenance. Except Tracy didn't have the answer and it wasn't her fault. A couple other women in the studio took over, offering how they found meaning in their lives, but nothing hit true. In my 15 years of fitness prior, the method was the only routine I'd ever found that didn't feel like penance. But then I took something life-affirming and constricted it with control, obsession, my all-or-nothing mentality. I expected something out of a workout routine that it wasn't meant to provide, out of a number on a scale it couldn't give, a physical body and physique to fill me, still. My writing practice never stopped, but in my year of intense fitness, it did get pushed to the side. Even though it was the only thing that had ever made sense, 
It couldn't compete with a deeper longing I'd had for most of my life to fulfill a teenage dream, one I'd already had that didn't work so well the first time, but I still thought could work under different circumstances. Really, the step-by-step instructions of the method were easier to follow than my own visions that came with no manual, no outside permission, no guarantees. The method's content was already channeled and created. All I had to do was show up and restrict my food intake, and I'd achieve results. The routine was tangible, something visible, praised by others, and never met with the follow-up. Oh, you're a writer? Where can I find your work? Well, nowhere, actually. But I didn't want my life to consist of posting workout videos on Instagram, fixating on the remaining loose skin on my belly from pregnancy or whether a boob job was a good idea, of working myself at such a high level that I had nothing left to give to the other parts of my inner life. The truth seemed painfully clear to me then, and I returned from the vitality week sad and depressed and lost. I could never, would never, look at the workout the same, and my lean figure, my beautifully shaped arms, my low number, was gone so much quicker than the months it took to get there. I couldn't continue on the way I had been in hopes of becoming someone that I was never meant to be, not an Instagram persona or fitness trainer, not a celebrity or socialite. As Janine Roth pointed out in her book, This Messy, Magnificent Life. Eating the equivalent of cookie dough, then dieting, then eating cookie dough, then dieting. We understand in a remote part of ourselves that we want something we cannot see or touch, but we don't know how to name or access it. And so we fall back into believing that being thinner will right everything that is wrong. The method gave me my physical health, and in turn my mental stability back, and it could continue to support me in all the ways it had, but it could never give me what I truly wanted. For my time in this life to matter, for all of my experiences to serve, to do the thing that is in me, of me, I was forced to face myself, to admit I was saying one thing but not committing with action and follow through. After a few months of grieving, I began again. I started to rewrite my first manuscript and enrolled in a local writing course with the goal of working towards traditional publication. And I made a pact with myself that if I got published, I wanted it to be clean. I was done looking outside of myself for validation. I vowed never to expect something out of any process that it wasn't meant to give. Only the vitality experience left a scar. It mirrored others I'd already received. I got everything I asked for, and it hurt. How did I know if what I said I wanted was actually the thing that would fill my desire or another detour that would leave me used up and disappointed? There's a point in the metamorphosis of a butterfly where the caterpillar has formed into a chrysalis and the body is broken down into imaginal cells. The cells, like stem cells, can be any type of cell and are undifferentiated. The imaginal cells then put themselves back together into a new shape and some of the old tissue will be carried into the insect's new body. But the part that matters here is that right before the reformation, inside the chrysalis is a mush of potential not yet designed. Our survival dictates we control variables in our environment to stay safe, which isn't inherently bad. Except to become the next version, to actualize the butterfly, there needs to be a willingness to step into the unknown, to dismantle into chaos before the new can present. In direct proportion to outsourcing my power, my internal compass is always pointing me back to my elemental nature, which is a base need to shed, to die, to witness a rebirth. 
The night of the dream, I had reached a point of breakdown where my old form no longer served. Like the caterpillar, I'd used the same juices that had helped me digest food to then digest me, opening to the possibility that traditional publication might have not been worth my pursuit any longer. Hurt, like the vitality week hurt, except this time within the surrender, my road didn't end. It looped further inward. My cells were floating in an in-between. Some would establish new parts. Others would fall away. And though I didn't know if writing a memoir would get me closer to who I wanted to become, I believed there was a chance that I was a partner in a much bigger design. And even though from the outside it appears like a resting phase, inside the chrysalis is an active energy as multiple things are happening to complete the metamorphosis. My next creation wasn't yet revealed, but I could continue to sit in the mush, be an active participant, while also allowing things to form. I could discover if it was true, if after the process was complete, I was able to form wings after all. Maybe my search for a singular purpose was in vain. Maybe purpose isn't one thing, but many expressions along the way. I'm Jasmine Rasmussen, author and narrator of Saved, a memoir on purpose. Join me weekly for an oral telling of my novel, written in verse and prose, broken into short, digestible episodes. I'll guide you through my journey back to self. Click the link below to subscribe or go to jasmineleahrasmussen.substack.com to find out more.